Welcome to Grant Thornton's Navigating the New Normal podcast series. My name is Velvet Bell Templeman, and I'm here talking to Luke Ritchie, National Head of Retail and Consumer Products at Grant Thornton. Luke has over 25 years experience specialising in retail. Today, we're talking about the new shape of retail in a post-COVID world. Thanks so much for joining us, Luke. Thanks, Velvet Bell. Nice to be here. Now, Luke, we've gotten used to COVID or as used to COVID as anyone could be. This has really changed the way that we shop and what we shop for, hasn't it? Well, certainly in Melbourne, it's changed things given that the stage four lockdown means that literally no retailers outside of supermarkets and pharmacy and a couple of others are even open. Obviously, across the rest of the country, whilst shops are open again, the flow of customers is not what it once was. In CBD locations in particular, many people are still working from home, uh, at least some of the time, meaning that traditional office workers who you know, make up the lunchtime shopping rush are much fewer in number. And so there's a real impact there on the supporting retail and services like cafes and restaurants and dry cleaners. They are really struggling in those centre of city CBD locations around the country, indeed around the world. Customers are changing their shopping patterns as a result. So we're seeing the return of the big grocery shop, whereas previously we might be more inclined to drop into the supermarket to pick up a few things whenever we needed them. We're now more reluctant to go to those shopping centres. And so, you know, we're making fewer trips and purchasing larger baskets. Uh, That's something that we're seeing all around the world, particularly in countries where there's more COVID cases than what we've got here. Uh, The other thing that's happening is that customers are staying more local to their home. Uh, Again, in Melbourne, we can only go five kilometres from our home. So that's certainly the case for us. But the result is we're purchasing more from local, uh, you know, grocers and and bakers and convenience stores. So there is a, a positive trend toward local and sustainable purchasing. So that's a positive. Probably the biggest change, of course, is that uh, there's a huge surge in customers who have taken to shopping online. So online order volumes are through the roof. They're up to 300% or more even in many of the retailers that we work with. And you know, the expectation is that that trend will remain even after the pandemic subsides. So even grandma's now shopping online, whereas before she probably didn't know how to do that. So you know, it, the shift is, is becoming ingrained. They say it takes 21 days to drill in a new habit. Well, it's certainly been a lot longer than that. And so what that means is that retailers are investing heavily in their online operations. Uh, to ensure that customers receive the experience that they expect in terms of digital uh, delivery timeframes, processing of returns, etc. The government's announcement recently about uh, increased investment into the NBN is uh, also a strong signal that the future is definitely trending digital. And another major impact is that the change on shopper preferences and behaviours. So yeah, while online shopping is up, It's not in every category. So grocery, sporting goods, books, outdoor, motor vehicle parts, they're all seeing major growth as categories, whereas um, fashion apparel, footwear, accessories, department stores, and obviously restaurants and bars are way down. And this pattern reflects the fact that people are staying home more, where we would have previously gone to a restaurant or a bar, we're directing that or redirecting that spend into supermarkets. And of course, with fewer people going to the office or going out for a drink or whatever, the fashion need so is is lower. So fewer people are buying fashion, footwear, uh, and accessories. Uh, so it's a really 
disparate and disjointed recovery that we'll see. And whilst, however, we've got this sort of more at home pattern, then it's going to be really difficult for some of those categories. We're desperate for restaurants and bars to reopen down here in Melbourne. And, you know, getting back to offices and seeing real people is something that we're all looking forward to as well. Another big thing is that customers are becoming a lot more value conscious. So, you know, there's a lot of consumer sentiment um, uncertainty. So we're trading down from more expensive to less expensive brands. You know, rather than buying from specialist stores, we might go and buy from more value conscious operations like, say, the reject shop. Those, those businesses are winning more customers. Uh, and in supermarkets, we're seeing more private label sales consistent with that same trend of value. And, you know, in, in states outside of Victoria where bricks and mortar stores have been open for a few months, we've also noticed customers placing a very high value on health and safety both of themselves as customers, but also the, the, the retail workers. So if a store doesn't appear to be COVID safe or have appropriate signage, hand sanitizer, trolley wipes, not clearly visible, customers, they just won't enter. They'll vote with their feet and, and leave. And this is definitely something that we're seeing around the world and particularly you know, pretty much every other Western country where there's a lot more COVID cases than what we've got here. So you know, the whole smattering of things there, but there are a lot of what we're seeing in terms of shifts in, in customer preferences. Now, you mentioned the move to a greater online presence, so e-commerce. Are we seeing the impact of that shift on bricks and mortar retail yet? Oh, definitely, yes. Um, the shift towards online has been underway for some time, but COVID-19 has really just fast-forwarded five years of transition into five months. It's It's just squeezed time. So the technology that underpins that online shift has been advancing you know, for years and years, but we're really seeing a huge speeding up of that with uh, the COVID scenario. So more and more people are shopping from their smartphones, which means basically that there are fewer customers going to physical stores. The pandemic has accentuated it though. So we'll, until we have a vaccine, we're going to be living in this environment where people will be naturally less inclined to visit large congregated spaces like shopping centres. So uh, we have to plan for that as a retail sector. And digital isn't only about the shopping experience on your phone or on your computer. Also, in-store, retailers are using technology to help customers navigate more effectively. Uh, QR codes are becoming <laughs> rebounding. Um, they might be placed on mannequins or on particular products to help customers understand more about the product without having to interact really closely with people. Uh, they're, they're clearly used a lot, QR codes that is, to help checking in for cafes and restaurants and, and locations from a contact tracing perspective. So digital innovations that help reduce the degree of physical touch points are becoming quite popular. And we don't really have a sense of how far away a vaccine is. It could be a year, it could be more. So retailers are definitely going to need to live with this for some time. Uh, the result of all of this is that retailers are having to reduce their selling space because so much of their trade is moving online. Department stores like Meyer, David Jones and Target have all made public statements recently about their future store networks being smaller in the future than what they are today. Premier Investments which is uh, Smiggle and Peter Alexander and others. They've announced that the results for FY20 just last week, and they talked about closing up to 350 stores. 
And that's after online sales grew by 50% to comprise what for them is now a quarter of sales for that group. So it's a marked shift and it means that even successful retailers are looking at reducing their, their footprints or their selling spaces. So those sectors that I mentioned before that are not going so well, so department stores and fashion and accessories retailers, they are really under pressure to reduce their, their, their store networks, to rebalance, to reflect what customers have already done. That is, they've moved more online. So what does that mean for traditional shopping centres? I think many retailers will be taking the view that they need to reduce stores. So that's bad news, actually, for landlords. I think the larger flagship centres like Chadston or Chermside or Chatswood will be fine, but the smaller middling centres will be definitely under pressure as, you know, if you imagine those department store anchor tenants, it only takes one or two of those to leave for a whole centre to really struggle to attract foot traffic. So, you know, I think it's likely that we'll see leases taking, taken up in those centres by services more and more uh, and entertainment operators even. So rather than a centre full of shops, I think we'll see more and more centres with a broader array of, of uh, services in there, even childcare centres, for example, I think will soon be more common in, in shopping centres. I also think maybe that with the trend away from expensive CBD and centre locations, we may even see some of those retailers pop up in shopping strips, in outdoor spaces where there's cheaper rent and perhaps some pragmatic opportunities arising. So retailers are investing more in their back-end online operations. Is online retail and delivery that much more cost-intensive than shopping in-store? And are retailers prepared to wear that cost? Yeah, it's a good point, actually. So in a traditional retail transaction, the customer picks the product from the shelf themselves, and of course, they transport it to their own home themselves. In an online transaction, the retailers are paying somebody to go and pick that product from somewhere, and oftentimes to also pay for shipping it to the customer's home. So that means that online sales can be profit dilutive for retailers, which is a real challenge. So that's why you see online offers like if you spend more than $50, you get free delivery, for example. So the, for the retailer to grow the transactions and the basket to a point where it makes more commercial sense to pay the, the logistics side. Uh, in all of the retailers that we work with and those that we don't as well, there are dozens of new online picking shifts for workers in stores where retail operators are being diverted away from you know, customer-facing activity to picking online orders from the shops themselves. In Melbourne, this is particularly prevalent given that the physical stores, as in the front doors, are closed, but they are, many are still offering contactless click-and-collect operations. So that means that the team members are in there picking and packing orders to be available for collection for customers in a contactless way. So they're still in there working, but they're doing obviously quite a different thing. Retailers are even diverting orders from other states, like Sydney orders for online are being diverted to Melbourne because there's all these closed shops with you know workers in them ready to pick orders, without being in, um, you know distracted by customers to ship to their home. So that's something that's that's going on right now. But whilst retailers are using their existing operations as online fulfilment sites, 
there can be much greater efficiencies gained through central order fulfilment, i.e. not from store networks, but from central distribution centre operations. The big supermarkets, Coles and Woolworths, are both spending hundreds of millions of dollars here in this area in, in, in terms of building robot-driven, automated, large-scale online fulfilment centres, whereby stock items are picked by remote-controlled robots and sent by conveyor uh, down to stationary pickers who package the items up for customer delivery. So that type of operation means that you can get through a lot more throughput in an hour of uh, someone's time compared to if they're picking from stores. That's a lot more efficient. However, it's expensive. The pure play online retailer Catch, used to be called Catch of the Day, is also launching robot-driven operations in its Melbourne warehouse right now, allowing for a greater capacity to process online volume and moving Catch closer to offering same-day delivery for local customers. So it won't be too far until we can get same-day delivery to our homes using that kind of technology. And Catch is owned by West Farmers, so we might expect to see other brands from the West Farmers stable like Kmart or Target leverage those same automation capabilities to make it more efficient for those retailers. So they can start to keep their costs down. Consumers can have anything they want delivered to their door. Is there even a role for the shop front or the shopping centre anymore? Oh, absolutely. We are in a difficult time with the pandemic, that's true, but retail will respond. Look, ultimately, humans are social creatures. We want to interact with each other. We like to experience shopping face-to-face. COVID has put a dampener on that, clearly, for now, but it won't last forever. So whilst there's no doubt that online shopping is here to stay, people will eventually get back to shopping in person, in large part, and they will demand a great customer experience. And this is where the future of retail will be. The intersection of digital and in-person experience, having a seamless operation between what's on your online operation and what's happening in your store, using digital capability cleverly in store from an experience perspective. So retailers that do this well will flourish and those that don't will go out of business because ultimately, whilst I think we will all get back to shopping in person, there'll be slightly fewer of us doing that before because there is this ingrained growth in online now. I noticed that just uh, this last few months, Amazon opened its first large-scale full-line supermarket in Los Angeles. So that proves the point that you know, bricks-and-mortar stores are important even for the largest online operator in the world. Why? Because shopfronts offer what online can't, closeness to the customer and a true in-person shopping experience. So, you know, as I said, whilst we're under pressure from this perspective in a COVID environment, we are adapting and uh, we'll remain, that is, we retail as a sector is adapting and will remain strong. And 80%, even now, 80% plus of all retail is still undertaken in shops. So, yes, the, the shop front will be and will continue to be fundamental. Now, Luke, the elephant in the room is the number of people who work in retail who have already lost their jobs during the downturn. But it sounds like the jobs in retail will look very different in a post-COVID world. Yeah, there's more than one million Australians working in retail. So it's, it's one of the biggest employers in the country. So it's true, many have temporarily lost jobs as shop fronts have closed. But as I said, retail will bounce back and adapt. And with online growing to a much larger share of total sales. 
the type of retail jobs is also shifting. So whilst there might be fewer traditional shop floor sort of customer facing roles, there are a lot more and will continue to be more distribution centre or warehouse picking online fulfilment type jobs and also more digital developers and online advertising type jobs as well. In the US, I noticed Target, as in the US Target, expects to hire this holiday season or this Christmas holiday period 130,000 seasonal workers, which is more or less what they do every year. But this year they're flagging that many of these people, many more than before, will be dedicated to same-day curbside pickup type uh, jobs, distribution centre picking roles, um, and those types of online fulfilment activities rather than you know, traditional customer service or you know, shelf stocking type roles. And the digital wave isn't just hitting customers. The employees in retailers are also working in a much more digital savvy environment. Retail training, communications, promotions, and more are now being delivered from head office out to the shops via smartphones. So you can watch videos and training information on your, on your own phone through apps. And it also enables digital rostering. So you know, rostering for shifts is becoming Uberized. That is to say, I'm trained in a particular category at let's say Kmart. I can actually bid for shifts or I can put my own shifts up for others to take if they're similarly trained and I can work in different stores because I'm uh, where I'm appropriately trained, I, I should be able to pick up shifts in my prescribed area. So this digital experience is impacting the retail employee side as well. And the shoppers themselves, interest rates are at a record low, income tax cuts are being brought forward. Are we shopping and is there anything more we can do to encourage people to spend? Things like you've mentioned, also the early access to superannuation, these, these things have encouraged people to continue to spend, yes, helping some sectors, but there's also some evidence that suggests that some of the additional stimulus is going to savings and paying down debt. Consumer confidence is really taking the battering, so that uncertainty is being felt by households who are more comfortable retaining cash than spending. So. Again, those discretionary categories like fashion, apparel, footwear are really, really impacted by that. So in a difficult environment, retailers have to do everything they can to meet this changing customer demand, the dampened customer sentiment. So aside from the products that they sell, they have to have the appropriate COVID safe plans, as I mentioned before, uh, cater for contactless click and collect and all of those little but important innovations to do everything that they can to help customers continue to want to come and spend their money. Now, Luke, we're coming up to the federal budget next week. It's unlikely that there'll be specific funding for retail, but retail is a major employer. Is there anything that you're hoping to see from the government or is it really dependent on retailers to bend and flex? Well, certainly we're we're hopeful of seeing um, broad incentives and and policies that will help uh, the retail sector. As I mentioned, more than a million Australians work in retail, so it's a huge employer, which is of large consequence to the the job and jobless numbers that the government um, watches closely, of course. So whilst the shape of retail has changed, the retailers are adapting. 
Certainly, the, the, the policies that the federal government employed in terms of uh, job seeker and job keeper, as well as what I mentioned, the early access to super, they've been critical in helping many of these retail workers survive through this year and probably into next year in some cases too. So yes, tax incentives which encourage investment from retail businesses will also be welcome. I keep talking about online and the growth in online and the need for retailers to invest in online. So tax incentives for to encourage that type of investment are definitely a good idea. Governments around the world have flagged large borrowings to fund all of these responses. Uh, and, and look, we're lucky we are in a such a low interest rate environment that, that they can do that. So governments are well placed to support the economy through what is probably the toughest period in a century. But for all of that, retail is resilient and it will adapt and continue to survive. Luke, thank you for your time. My pleasure, Velvet Bell. Thank you. You can find further information on how COVID-19 might affect your business and assistance is available to you on the Grant Thornton COVID-19 Hub at www.grantthornton.com.au forward slash COVID-19. If you liked this podcast and would like to hear more, you can find and subscribe to Grant Thornton Australia on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. I'm Velvet Bell Templeman and you're listening to Boardroom Media.